You just heard the home recording of South of Heaven. This is the Requiem Metal Podcast. I am Mark. And I am Jason. And we are back for the attack, as Dawkins says, uh, circa 1988. Which is kind of when this home recording was, was probably made of uh, Jeff Hanneman, uh, you know, doing, doing his uh, own, almost like a weird black metal version it's a yeah it's an interesting this was off the uh the slayer box set which is uh what the hell is that thing called soundtrack to the apocalypse uh, happily enough and, yeah uh, yeah unfortunately we're kind of doing this just in the wake of uh the passing of jeff henneman mm-hmm. which was kind of you know me and jason a lot of our peer group i think this is uh, kind of affected us more as far because i don't know i'm not a, a super sentimental kind of person when celebrities die i usually don't really you know no, care. It's, it's, and it's it's just like okay that's it kind of happened but this actually this was like one of those pivotal kind of bands that early on it was it was the leaping point to uh you know to get into the extreme metal stuff is you know easily slayer yeah and it's the first band that i one of those first bands like more so than metallica or Megadeth or you know exodus or any of those guys it felt like it was my band like i really identified a lot with it yeah i think uh you know i've always you know mark and i were joking last week well not even really joking because i i'm actually seriously kind of considering going for the uh those you know the i'll pen- do it again the, the pentagram uh tattoo and i've always sort of joked around that if i was ever gonna get like a uh i don't want to say novelty tattoo but a tattoo that was sort of um not Eh, non-personal, I guess, but like Why a band or, or something like that, <laughs> which is fine, you know, and yeah. I, I, but uh, it would be Slayer, you know, and even like my first henna that I got when I was in Spain was uh, was definitely, it was a Slayer one on my forearm and, and the people, you know, people that I was sort of traveling with then thought it was, it looked pretty badass and, and kind of, you know, added a little edge to, to what I'm, you know, what I was all about. But yeah, I think it is strange that you know, Hanneman to me feels like the lo- the first guy that like was super important to me. Even though he's not the band leader of Slayer or um, the main dominating personality or anything, but you know, I think I, I I took it in stride maybe with some sadness when I heard they had fired Dave Lombardo because I you know this sort of ongoing whatever it's an egotistical battle maybe going on. I mean, even Lombardo had no idea why he was fired, and from yeah. what I've read, it's it's pretty sketchy. Um, and it could come down to you know a Kerry King kind of personality conflict type thing, and well, I think he's he's kind of the torchbearer for the band. Really, he's always the public face. Like you know, Tom's kind of taking a backseat, and yeah, last you know, and then Jeff years, was kind really. of you know Jeff's been kind of obviously the quieter element in the band, at least in terms of you know we talked about public like with interviews and, and yeah. stuff like that. Kerry has sort of been the face of it all, but you know I think I don't know. There's a certain amount of integrity that I I. I I can take and connect with with Slayer not only because they were kind of our band or they were a gateway band for us into like the extreme stuff that we're into now and that mm-hmm. we talk about mostly on this podcast but I don't know like Slayer was something about Slayer and their fans and there's a, there's something much more intimate and personal about the sort of devotion to Slayer than I feel like to most other thrash metal bands or even a lot of like the, the death metal bands, uh, per se. Any kind of band, I think really. I mean, cause you look at the, as far as the sound out of every, I mean, everybody had their own unique kind of thing. Metallica probably Metallica and Slayer kind of stand out as being the, the two most unique, but, um, even Metallica, they were really just kind of pulling off new wave of British heavy metal stuff. And like a little bit of venom and some, you know, some Teutonic kind of speedy stuff. But, Nobody sounded like Slayer. Nobody has ever sounded like Slayer since. Well, and I think too, it's it's you know you you bring up Metallica, and <clears throat> I was talking to somebody. I said you know maybe 
maybe this was what it was like for the generation above you and I mm-hmm. when Cliff Burton died. Yeah, I could totally see that. Because at that point, Cliff Burton was sort of flying the flag for metal. He was one of the faces of Metallica, probably alongside Lars. I think back then, they, yeah. were, they were two of the bigger personalities. Cause I Although, think, so that was kind of the peak at their kind of domination. I was going to say, yeah. too, and, and you would have felt like, wow, you know, like died so young, died too soon. And, and, I, and I certainly felt that with my own generation, I, you know, and I, I'm not... I think you were talking to apples and oranges when you talk about something like a, the, the Kurt Cobain stuff mm-hmm. or even Lane Staley. Cause you know, those were suicides. It was just, it was different. You, you the writing was on the wall there. It, yeah. it didn't like, you know, and even though Hanneman has been sort of off and on sick, I think that, you know, Staley and, and Cobain are, um, you know, were operating on much more like a pop culture sort of status where like they didn't really belong to me. They belong to like millions and millions sure. of people. And, yeah. and Slayer has millions and millions of fans. I'm not, I'm not saying like I have some sort of like ownership of them or, or you do or anybody else, but there is something more deeply personal about them because I, I think well, they, kind of the really longevity relationship we've had with them too. Yeah. Like most people would say that the Slayer's best years were behind them, but still I always kind of thought like, okay, they're still, they're still doing what they're doing. Well, even when we saw them live, when they did the uh, tour in 2001, uh, I think it was 2000 or not 2001, 2011 when, with, when they played seasons all the way through, yeah. you know, when Testament opened for them and stuff uh, and Megadeth played rest in peace. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that was a great tour, and and they still can hold their own. You know, uh, live. They, oh, absolutely, been exceptional. Um, I mean, I think they're. So that was the last the original lineup that we saw. Yeah, that's the only time I had ever seen Lombardo because I'd seen him two other times before that, but it was with uh, Bostoff. So, okay. Uh, did you ever? You never saw him. They were Lombardo was out by ninety. That was the first time I saw him with Lombardo. With Lombardo, too. yeah, yeah. Because so. the other times, I think I saw him a couple, maybe a couple other times. It was just with with Bostaff on drums, and I think you know when you know. So we decided to kind of throw this together in in honor of Hanneman, and we've done a couple Slayer shows before, and I think we're we're even planning to do another one to sort of finish the sort of post uh, Deaf American kind of years era, the the '90s and beyond kind of era. But mm-hmm. just decided, you know, we've been gone for a while, you know, busy with life and, and all kinds of stuff. Um, and it's been hard for I think us to get together just because of geography, location scheduling and everything too yeah and it's it's been strange because uh you know back when it it was almost like easier back in the day when when you were kind of working a sort of typical nine to five nine to five job back in ann arbor you know when it was still like an hour and 15 minute drive uh because your schedule was a little bit more predictable my schedule was a little bit more predictable with with certain things but it's just been i don't know pretty chaotic and so we are alive we we do exist uh i I know there was sort of a long stretch of (laughs) sort of gap kind of going there and we'll we'll hopefully try it went way too quick as far as like the uh putting up that last you know uh year-end episode i was just like i looked at the date and i was like wow it's really been that long since yeah like and i and i was sort lost. of self-aware but i i think i knew like i had a lot of stuff going on and and i knew you were you were sort of inundated with like a lot of a lot of stuff and so i just kind of like you know let it let it go the way it is but you know uh there was no like uh personal falling out or or anything no, weird. No. we you know we're not carrie king and dave lombardo here or anything <laughs> like that it's uh it's just sort of you know life sort of happens and uh well know. and yeah it's just you got to kind of this because this is one thing i always um i hate editing the shows but I, I always miss the just the conversation, hanging out, and talking about music, and recording yeah. the shows. Um, so I don't I don't want to say that we're going to be up every single week, but it's going to be more 
consistent. Yeah, I think we can. Um, and I think if people are cool with just, we have such a back, huge back catalog to go through, too, that if people are cool with kind of like getting, you know, one a month or two a month or something, then that's kind of more realistic, I think. Because that's the, the older I get, the more kind of stuff I figure, well, you know, I was going to sing for a band. I was like, where, where's that going to take me to where I want to go? It's not. Sure. It's just going to be a distraction. And um, and this this show has always been you know cathartic and the kind of i think uh responses we get from people have been some of the most like heartfelt from anything i've ever done so yeah it's uh and we've made some really really cool like connections through the show too yeah I mean, and we friendships were, with people and we were just talking about a, a buddy of ours that we we made friends with this podcast ben ash who's now like the new guitar player for carcass you yeah. know which is yeah like go figure you know it's it's like the because uh, yeah, we started like he was watching our or listening to our shows and we'd be watching his uh his like guitar videos and stuff too he did sure. a great one on, on merciful fate and then on the the whole stockholm and tomb sound didn't you kind of talk him into doing like an immortal yeah one, yeah two, he did an immortal one too and, and just it's it's cool to see somebody with that kind of um like mastery of an instrument and, like, and, talk, and, and the and, same sort of youthful enthusiasm that we have for it, like the giddiness kind of yeah, but, like but from a total dream, a you know? totally different angle, like from, from a musician standpoint, mm-hmm. which is something because you can interview bands like all the you know as long as you want, but there's only so much you're going to get out of that, I think. Um, but but the you know we're before we started recording, we're talking about film criticism, mm-hmm. and I think just you know like from our aspect, just as fans and uh, people that are enthusiastic about it, going in and really like thinking a lot about the music is kind of cool. And then having him come at it from this technical standpoint too, is like very super interesting to me. Cause I really, I'm really into like the whole idea of like the recording process. And yeah, uh, I don't know anything about it outside. Like I couldn't record a band, but I'm, I really like the process of, of that and the filmmaking and sure. any kind of procedural thing that creates art. I'm really, really into. So, and I, and I could see where, where that would, you know, be, it, you know, you've always been more kind of into that aspect, probably because of your background more as an artist. And I think as a historian type person, I've sort of been more like the collector of like vast amounts of useless knowledge that you sort of like accumulate these anecdotal. It's not, it's not useless here. No, no, no. But, 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 but I've always had a great appreciation of sort of anecdotal sort of things that you yeah. can kind of link to things well, and, and stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, and the, like the, the crazy memory where you can remember all the random little facts and yeah, tidbits too, which is, I don't know why it's just <laughs> mine is always, it's like a, a file cabinet in the back of my head that it just has to, I have to get back into it a little bit and then it all starts flying out again I'll start remembering producers names and years and yeah 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 everything but that's what it's just like it's like a muscle that has to keep being you know exercised so hopefully this will get my yeah, music knowledge yeah back. and it's it's been you know like I I feel when we're not doing this stuff as regularly as we have been like um, not a disconnect but it's 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 sort of like I'm I'm doing my rock and roll history class and stuff which is great but I don't get to talk about Slayer very much <laughs> Yeah. Or I don't get to talk about extreme metal very much there. You know, when we do like the three day unit on metal, like it's cool and the kids have some kind of questions, but it's usually near the end of the semester and we, we're just sort of flying by the seat of our sure. pants to get through the, the end of the class. But, uh, you know, anytime we have an opportunity to kind of come back and talk about Slayer, it's 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 always a really cool thing. And um, one thing I do want to read, which can probably kind of start us off with a, a little conversation, but um, there's a guy who has been a, uh, a guest on the show many times. Um, 
you know, we call him Grand Corps Coon, but Jeff Coon is his name, and he's a good friend of ours that goes back, you know, I, I've known him since, you know, middle school. And he, he wrote this when we were kind of chatting about the whole Hanneman sort of passing thing. He said, honestly, I feel like the last true original thrash band died with Hanneman. When you compare Slayer to their peers, they were the only ones that fought it out until the end and were still touring and putting out furious albums that still had some sort of relevance, not worrying about their legacy like their peers. To me, this is really the end of an era. Nothing is forever. You know, and then he said, "There is no risk. There is no Lulu. There is no reality show about forming a band with Ted Nugent, Sebastian Bach, and the dude from Biohazard." And he says, "I hope somewhere Jeff Hanneman is laughing." Yeah, you know, and it's it's true. You know, that's I think that's maybe where the the personal intimacy with a band like Slayer happens, and why like it does sort of feel like this momentous sort of shift in metal more than we were talking like a guy like Dio who was a little bit larger than life and transcend transcend it like. And he was more of a, he was kind of like, a, he was a public figure more so than like, nobody really knew, I don't yeah. think. You didn't, Hanneman's sort of a, there's an anonymity He's like, there. oh, he's that blonde dude in Slayer yeah. or something, but yeah. But I think Dio, you know, like walked in so many different circles and stuff, whereas like with Hanneman and He was a Slayer, pop culture kind of icon at that point, too. Yeah, yeah. there was like a purity with, 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 with Hanneman especially. I don't know... I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I would have felt the same way about Kerry King. I, I want to say I would, because, you know, I would have... But but Kerry King has done a lot to uh, sort of antagonize certain people, and he's gotten better in recent years. But I remember seeing like interviews back in like Seasons in the Abyss era, like on MTV, where he was just he was just trying to be intimidating to people. And I think that's kind of like, him and Danzig have a similar kind of attitude. I'd be really bummed if something happened to Danzig. But, sure, sure. Uh, I'd be way more bummed if something happened to like Steve Harris or yeah. something like that. Like, like there's like a Iron Maiden and Slayer are, are two of those bands that are, they're kind of similar as far as like nobody sounds like them. They have rabid fan bases and they've never really kowtowed to uh, to popular kind of taste that much. That much. They've kind of always been their own kind of singular thing. I mean even when Slayer and we'll talk about this is for another episode but even when slayer sort of adopted some of the sort of 90s metal american trends that they, they they did it through the guys in interpretation of slayer it, yeah. you know as much as you want to knock it and talk about it, it again it wasn't it wasn't risk it wasn't saint anger it wasn't you know yeah it, you know just because you like danzig doesn't mean you should record until it sleeps like as much as that song's okay for a metallica mid-90s song like it's just them doing dancing, you know. So like, I don't, yeah. I don't really care, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly, ain't my bitch, and, and some of the other stuff is is cha. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it, it was, you know, if that's what they felt like doing, good for them. But you know, I, and I, but some I of that stuff is okay to, for what it is. But man, it's not. I don't know. I, I feel a certain. Um, I think some bands have latitude to do whatever they want, and I think some bands, a band with metal in their name, you almost owe it to the listeners. Like that's. You're, you should be metal. Yeah. I don't know. And, it's, I, 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 and maybe it's a bummer that, that they, you know, felt they were trapped in a genre and they kind of had to blow it up, but but I don't know. Quit. Yeah. I guess form something new, yeah. I guess, if you have to. But, uh, you know, and I, and I feel like those guys are all rock stars. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and there's a difference between that and, and kind of what, like, a guy like Hanneman was, you know. And Hanneman, no one's ever going to say Hanneman is the best guitar player or the best soloist or anything. And that's that's what, what didn't really define him, and, you know. He's, he's kind of a quiet dude. Yeah. And a great songwriter. In, in yeah. retrospect, when we went through and, and decided to, you know, start sort of filtering out some of the songs that he's responsible for in Slayer's career, it's an impressive list, yeah. you know. I mean, some of the songs were were probably not going to be playing tonight that that Hanneman's responsible for, 
um, you know, stuff like Fight Till Death, Hardening of the Arteries, The Antichrist, um, South of Heaven, which you just heard the demo uh, stuff with, Live Undead, um, you know, Seasons in the Abyss, which is, you know, maybe my favorite Slayer song. Like, if you trapped me in a corner and said, what's the one Slayer song you had to listen to for the rest of your life? It might be Seasons, mm-hmm. Spirit in Black, uh, stuff like that. I mean, those are those are pretty iconic sort of staples of, of Slayer's career, and those are just yeah. the ones we're not going to play, in addition to, to some of the, the I mean... I mean, we're going to play it, Raining Blood, but, I mean, you talk about Raining Blood, and, and I don't want to talk about it yet, because we can talk about the next set, but um, it's been voted the greatest riff in the history of metal. So, I mean, you know, and he's the guy that wrote that, you know? Yeah. So, say what you want about Hanneman, and he might not be the the face of Slayer in the way that, like, Tom Araya as a vocalist or Kerry King as kind of a spokesperson is. Mm-hmm. He's a pretty defining member. And I think that was the, the coolest part about Slayer in, in some ways. There was sort of an egalitarianism between them all because, you know, even though you never really heard Lombardo talk, he certainly held his own as a musical force. Yeah, and then, Slayer wasn't really Slayer without him in the band. Sure, and I, and I think because that Hanneman and King, neither was the lead and neither was the rhythm guitarist, there was an equality between them. Mm-hmm. And and Tom was a great front man, but he wasn't flashy in terms of bass solos. I mean, he wasn't doing things like, like Cliff Burton was doing, perhaps. And um, he didn't really care about... Um, being like about credit like yeah. being part of the band was that was enough for him exactly and so i feel like there was even though carrie king is a, a dominant personality there is this equality between all four of them that that feels like when hanneman dies like you can't like what can you do i don't you know I mean, we talked about gary holt already said i'm not quitting exodus to join and i mean it's not like you can just bring a guy in that can kind of like just kind of copy those riffs yeah, because because the way that Slayer plays guitar is so personalized. It's so much like you hear a Slayer song and you know it's a Slayer song. Whereas like I hear like a solo and I'm like, well, it sounds like it could be a Kurt Hammett perhaps, but it doesn't have to be because it's just any kid that learns guitar school skills, like, skills yeah. and stuff. Yeah, and then nothing to take away from Kurt Hammett or, or whatever. And I'm not trying to knock other bands. I'm just saying that there's something like uh, there's a certain like. Uh, Undefinable quality that that makes Slayer. Je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi. That's exactly <laughs> what I was I was gonna say. So, well, and even you know what um, we were watching a, a video a couple minutes ago about with uh, Headfield talking about his kind of idea or his remembrances and things of Hanneman. He's like, yeah, uh, quiet dudes are at good riffs. Yeah, yeah. and Hetfield has been quiet, and I and that I respect about Hetfield on some levels that he hasn't always been as obnoxious as Lars, but you know, yeah, Lars I mean, is just ADD and excited. You throw that kind of. Uh, money at some like you know it's it's going to change most people i think you're not going to be as humble as as possible you know as as you might once be with that kind of like media mm-hmm. kind of just well even like anthrax was talking about the clash of titans tour and how hanneman was married and you know he just would kind of like go back on the bus and watch like football games and, and yeah. stuff like that and because he, he seemed he seemed kind of like uh on one hand he seemed kind of like a meathead and uh, but he was just kind of like a normal dude. Like I don't think he really cared about. He didn't care about intellectualizing things. Mm. He uh, he seemed like every he operated like from the gut. And I think that's he's, some of the best kind of riffs. He's, that, he's the character from uh, Dennis Leary's asshole. He likes football and books about <laughs> war. You know. Yeah. And that's pretty much Jim yeah. Hanneman in a nutshell. You yeah. Know? Uh, he he. I know he talked a lot about uh, the influence his uh, either his father, or his grandfather, who had fought during World War II, and was, mm-hmm. you know. That's where some of the obsession with like war artifacts and Nazi kind of artifacts came from. Not yeah. because he was a neo-Nazi, which is sure. a controversy we'll probably talk about later. But um, 
Yeah, and I think it was cool. We we went and listened to not only the the South of Heaven, but also the uh, home recording of Raining Blood, and both had this like strange like primitive black metal quality to them. You yeah, can kinda, it, was, you know, it was weird, but yeah, uh, uh, almost sounded like you know Chilean black metal. Or yeah, yeah, that's cool. You know, so but uh, we, you know we wanted to sort of start with something homegrown with the, with the home recording. But now let's uh, let's jump into some of the, the finer selections in the au revoir of, of Jeff Hanneman. And what we decided to do was do songs that. Uh, were musically written only by Hanneman. There yeah, some, no, no split. There's some the, split. If it was lyrically, it might have been like lyrically written by you know King, King or, or both, Array but, or somebody else. But as far as but, music, we're kind of that's kind of the where we're headed with this next little bit. And uh, you know, these two first two songs that open from um, "Show No Mercy" from '83. You know, I, I've always loved "Die by the Sword" because of that riff that comes in like about a minute and a half in. I mean, it's yeah. it's a really simple riff, but it's just like. It's cool. It's and one of the quintessential little, Slayer riffs. Exactly. And there's some cool, like, dive bomb things kind of going off in the background as oh, it's yeah. playing this, like, just cool sort of chug riff. Well, and the, the Live Undead version with Tom, you know, saying, you know, his little little, little spiel, you know. Sure. Well, even on Decade of Aggression, when he's like, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Yeah. You know, that, but I say, fuck the pen. Yeah. yeah fuck, <laughs> fuck the pen. So, and then, uh, so and then we got Tormentor after that. And then uh, one of the highlights, I think, of uh, on Hell Awaits, um, if not the musical highlight, um, the title track, Hell Awaits, is pretty, pretty ripping as well. But yeah. at Dawn They Sleep has some really. Really, it's pretty diverse and, and really, um, I don't know, their best it's kind attempt of progressive. At, yeah, I was going to say their yeah. best attempt at almost like a Merciful Fate type yeah. song or something. Yeah. You know, it's it's pretty hip. and uh, It's like their version of Satan's Fall or something, kind yeah. of like different movements. and Yeah, and it's got a great Tom Morea uh, bass. Is that their breakdown. longest song? Uh, eh, no, it's up there. It might be pretty close. I okay. think Seasons is, is pretty close to as long oh, that's as right, that too. Yeah. Um, I'm used to the radio edit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So and then uh, and then we'll sort of end with a couple of classics that we can talk talk more about when we come back, and that's War Ensemble and uh, uh, what's it called? Oh yeah, Raining Blood. Enjoy uh, Dive of the Sword and Tormentor at Dawn They Sleep War Ensemble and Raining Blood.
That was Rain and Blood, War Ensemble, At Dawn They Sleep, Tormentor, and Die by the Sword. Uh, all Jeff Hanneman uh, penned musical tunes there. And, you know, those last two songs, um, you know, War Ensemble, um, when I... I've seen it right, dudes. <laughs> if, if, uh, if you see somebody going down... Help them out, right? Help them out, man. That's what we're here to do. Help them out. I was mowing the lawn listening to that <laughs> last uh, last weekend. I was telling That's you. a weirdly recorded live record, but I still really like it a lot. Yeah, you know, the drums are, are not great on it for as good as Lombardo was. The guitars pan really weird, too. Yeah. But, like, but the solos will drop out. But or... it's kind of like when it came out in its day, I mean, I bought it in cassette tape at first. I mean, that's I got how... it through Columbia House. Yeah. On cassette tape. It's a great, like... Greatest hits of Slayer, you know, yeah. and and I'll tell you this: like what was so great about Decade of Aggression, we just kind of got through a set of these older, quote unquote, older songs, pre deaf American songs. You couldn't find like I didn't run into Show No Mercy or Hell Awaits or Haunting the Chapel anywhere. Like when I was younger, I don't think that stuff was. It was just kind of out of print for a while. It was tough. So like when I bought Decade of Aggression, I had no idea those albums even existed. I mean, you know, you have to understand like some of you younger people listening to this like this is all pre-internet mm-hmm. and so unless you like got a hold of a magazine that gave you like the backstory of like these bands sometimes you didn't know that they had like we know, used like, to yeah like i almost thought slayer started in 1986 because like that was all i ever saw was the deaf american records it's all that was in columbia house and things yeah. like that because we'd keep those um like those uh catalog forms or whatever that used to be in cassettes every once in a while you could tear off they had like you know, blue grape merchandising. Yes. Here's all this, or like whatever random like Roadrunner. Sure, like the the whole series of stuff. And I think I, find. I was getting that stuff. I didn't start buying anything like any Roadrunner stuff until after I was into Slayer. You know, I mean, Slayer mm-hmm. for so many people is a gateway kind of drug, and you know, Rain and Blood especially when we heard that. Um, and I'll talk about that in a moment, but yeah, War Ensemble w- was uh, what was so odd about that is that's that is the very first Slayer song. We ever heard my group of friends watching Headbangers, Headbangers Ball, Ball. Yeah. live at Wembley Stadium? You know yeah. that that video, and I remember we were like so impressed with the synchronized headbanging and all the other things that were kind yeah. of going on. And I mean, they were a, a well-oiled machine at that point, you know. And and it was what was nice about War Ensemble for our perspective is it wasn't one of like the heavily you know satanic or, or really evil. I mean, it was a song about war it's you know what I mean? it, was, it was great you yeah. know and it was super catchy had some you know has obviously some great souls some great drum fills i mean tom screaming you know and yeah. a great breakdown in the middle speaking of breakdowns both songs that we just listened to have like these famous middle yeah. sort of section breakdowns maybe that's like a like a hanneman kind of trademark uh, perhaps i mean because necrophiliac the, ne- the song we're going to hear next has a great mid song sort of breakdown yeah uh so does angel of death so does alter uh, you know what now i'm starting to see a pattern on this guy die by the sword had that great sort of breakdown so yeah he obviously was interested in throwing a lot of chaos at a listener and then being able to sort of almost like pull back and decide to like all right i've just like thrown a lot of let's go to like a catchy moment and let's kind of groove it out a little bit um and i think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about some of the influences that hanneman really brought to the band and we'll, I guess, more directly address this at the very end of the show. But Hanneman was the guy that sort of brought punk rock into Slayer in a lot of ways. He, oh, he, he, he was, was a punk, punk rock rocker. Guy. Yeah. And that gives a lot of quality, especially when you get into the Raining Blood era where they're, they're starting to do more like just the pure, like, aggressive speed stuff that was yeah. so fast. Two-minute songs and stuff. Uh, that's, that's kind of where a lot of that vibe comes out of, you know. So 
Well, I think his entire career, he's always had a Dead Kennedy sticker on his guitar. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, the L.A. Raiders, yeah. you know, L.A. and Oakland Raiders were, were sort of obsessions of, of him, and that's kind of a defining quality. Never cut his hair, you know. Carrie cut his hair. Yeah. I mean, Tom didn't either. And well, they, Carrie went bald, though. Did he? Oh, yeah, yeah. I knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> he, he, he bought out gracefully. Yeah, that's true. Smart. I guess Tom never cut his hair either. No, Tom never did. Dave cut it shorter, but never went like... He, he almost cut it back to how it looked like in the first record. Yeah, kind of where it's like just like shoulder length or something. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, songs like War Ensemble and Raining Blood are, are so iconic today. But yeah, I have a personal connect, connection with War Ensemble because it is the first Slayer song I ever heard, you know. Um, and the second Slayer song I ever heard was another Hanneman tune, which is Seasons, you know, mm-hmm. both on Headbangers. And that's what got us the bravery to buy Raining Blood. Yeah. So. Which is odd. I think I've told that story back when we did the Deaf American show, like how you know we had to like sort of decide which Columbia House Slayer we were going to buy. And I think I had heard about the reputation of Rain and Blood, so we're like, oh, even though we've only heard songs from Seasons, let's buy Rain and Blood. <laughs> this makes a lot of sense. And of course, we hated it at first because we're like, what the fuck is this? It's twenty eight minutes of a blur. I can't yeah. even tell when one song ended and another song began most of the time. So um, yeah, I mean, until I, I got it on CD, I didn't really know. Yeah, for sure. Because you know, the way I thought it, like, Jesus saves an altar of sacrifice with the same song. Like yeah. I was like, I, I didn't know, I didn't know what was happening. You know, but uh, I mean, what can you say about Raining Blood, the, the the song itself? It's, I you know, it I don't know. It kind of like so that sums up the band better than anything. And I'm thinking, anytime I hear it, I, I always go back to well, since it's not that old, but that uh, still raining DVD they put out where they actually, you know, blood rains as they're playing the song is just yeah. like that's. How I don't know, just and visually, I don't know the the that that song just kind of like it's like an epic, you know, song on like you know on like a Judas Priest kind of level, yeah. But then it's also you know just manic and aggressive and barbaric, and it kind of sum, it sums up everything that I really like about Slayers in that one song. And I think it, it's it's so weird in the context of the album too, because like the album Rain and Blood, even though like the first time you hear it, it does sound sort of blurish. It it has a lot of peaks and valleys and a lot of emotional movements for, for a 28 minute mm-hmm. sort of record. I mean, there are moments in the record where you, you sort of come out and you're allowed to breathe for a second. Like, I think, I feel like when you get to Jesus saves, well, actually it's an altar sacrifice when they go into the breakdown, which we'll hear in this next set where they sort of slow things down Yeah, and they do it in angel of death too, where like they slow things down, but there's these moments where it allows you to sort of breathe. And I feel like there's, there's sort of, a cathartic quality in the way that the the song raining blood kind of ends the whole record Mm -hmm. you just go through maybe the fastest part on the whole record which is the singing at the end of post-mortem i mean it's almost like he's racing against time to get this song out yeah and then all of a sudden the thunder and lightning kind of crackle and and you're it's this sort of like release of like well even like the last like 50 seconds is just like the 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 slow fade out of of oh and then the when the thunder comes thunder and the rain comes in after this the guitar yeah yeah so it's like two guitars fighting each other at the end there. So it's 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 great. It works on every level. Because that and then you know, Hello Waits uh, itself. Those those are two of the most like uh, like visually evocative for me of just this hellish like apocalypse, just this chaos. You know, sure. Like sure. almost like two of the almost best songs to ever kind of like illustrate that. I think. Well, I think too, like Hello Waits thematically, you know, is is almost like Hell Rising, and then like Raining Blood is this almost like album about like Hell on Earth almost. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You know, it's, it is weird. And then South of Heaven sort of continues that. I mean, just the name South of Heaven is really earth, you know, and it's yeah. like we're, we're our own worst enemies. We don't need the devil and hell as a con- conceptual sort of construct, you know, and you, you listen to like angel of death. I mean, that's like, that's like a, a, a lack of existence of God and, and on earth right there. You mm-hmm. know, in fact, this, the Nazis and all the stuff that they're brought to humanity or destroyed you know, we're allowed to exist, you know, if there was a God, like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's bringing up these, like, why would God allow this to happen? If yeah. there, you know, it, it gets into some really, you know, existential questions, I guess. And the funny thing is like, they were not thinking about that no, at all when no, no, this no. was all just kind of, I think after the fact, I don't know anybody outside of, um, since I've been watching a bunch of Kubrick documentaries lately, he might be one of the few artists that I think is that meticulous enough to put in a lot of the stuff that people speculate. Yeah. I think after the fact is all people just putting things together and making their own opinions and, you know, Mm -hmm. knitting things together where they weren't really there. But I think all subconsciously while you're doing any kind of art, uh, all that stuff's going to come out, but you don't necessarily, you're not aware of it at the onset. Sure. Kind of thing. And I mean, like, you know, Slayer's not like, um, I don't know. I mean, and Hanneman never speaks too much about it. The one thing I will say is in this next set, we're going to hear Necrophiliac from uh, um, from Hell Awaits and then Angel of Death. And Angel of Death, we didn't play the first time. And, and Angel of Death is one of these songs that, that, you know, brings a lot of controversy with it because of, you know, whatever it's, it's accusations of Nazi leanings or, or whatever you want to call it. And, and Hanneman kind of just sort of shrugged all that stuff off when he was always asked about, like, why'd you write this song and, and stuff? And he kind of said, like, it's about evil. Like, if you, if he goes, if you can't figure out on your own listening to it that, like, it's just about it's something. It's not glorifying that's evil, it at all. It's, <laughs> it's documenting it, it. It's documenting evil. And he goes, yeah. you know, like, the people I care about and the fans of Slayer, they get it. Anybody else, I could give a shit if they misunderstand it because it's not my problem. Mm-hmm. It's somebody else's problem, you yeah. know. Like what Tipper Gore deal with it? Yeah, exactly. And so and I, I've always loved it, you know. And that's a typical Hanneman response. I think he's just yeah. sort of short to the point and, and quiet about things. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, Necrophilia, great breakdown. Uh, you know, probably the catchiest, one of the catchiest songs on uh, Hell Awaits. Even though lyrically, it might be <laughs> the most offensive <laughs> song in the whole record. And then uh, Angel of Death, I, I, there, you know, there's not a lot I can say about this song um, that you guys out there listening don't already know. But it's a, definitely a, a staple of their live show. For sure, a staple. And then we're going to go into another one from uh, from Rain and Blood, which is Altar of Sacrifice. And the, the, the only thing I, I, I want to say about this song is this is what made me scared of whether or not I want to like Slayer when I first heard Altar of Sacrifice. When he says "enter into the world of uh, into the realm of Satan," I remember like wanting t- to like turn the tape off, like because I thought like <laughs> I was. I fe- it felt like when you play with a Ouija board for the first time, and you're you're sort of like creeping yourself out, like, "Oh, yeah. is this right? Like, am I okay? Like, is what does this mean?" And I was young when I heard it, uh, but it it did open up <laughs> some. I'm glad I, I got through the experience of Altar yeah. of Sacrifice because after that I kind of was not scared of like music at, at that point and I from there well and after the more after of an angel, you, yeah end of the realm of Satan and then that guitar you know squeal comes in and like okay that's yeah that's, I do this is it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, enter yeah, the realm yeah, of yep, Satan yep I'm here I'm here <laughs> yep so it was a make or break point for me and and my friends with Slayer was Altar of Sacrifice I think so and then we'll end with a couple of tunes that are uh, on the slower scale and I think. I think it's worth noting that, you know, he also wrote, of course, South of Heaven. Um, and so 
when they move from this sound of fast and furious, like, you know, speed with rain to, of course, what develops on South of Heaven, which is where, you know, having to slow down the songs and, and create a new way of being heavy through, like, kind of eerie riffage. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at Spill the Blood, South of Heaven, Season of the Abyss, and Dead Skin Mask. I mean, those are maybe the four greatest slow, creepy Slayer songs that really have ever been written yeah. on some level. And then, you know, we'll talk about what he does sort of beyond that. But I think, you know, you credit, give credit where credit's due. You know, Kerry King is great at doing certain things, but Hanneman, I think, was was bringing a, a certain innovation into Slayer that they, I think they needed. Kerry, was a, he's the occult guy. He's yeah. the one that I think he's responsible a lot for their image. And the religion and, and something yeah. like the blasphemy aspects of yeah. the band. But, but from a musical standpoint, I think he, in a way, Hanneman may have saved Slayer by giving them a second life. Mm-hmm. Whereas like some thrash bands didn't know how to escape the 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 like what thrash was and what sure. was the expectations of thrash were yeah. through a song like Spill the Blood and South of Heaven, you get like this outlet like hey we can still be really heavy but we can be slow and eerie as fuck yeah you know and, reinvent and themselves that might have been bit. like the merciful fate you know influences as well but but it was there you know so so we're gonna end uh, we're gonna start with Necrophiliac Angel of Death then Altered Sacrifice then we're gonna end with Spill the Blood from South of Heaven and um, Dead Skin Mask. Enjoy. Rotting flesh, 
Flame that creeps. 
That was Dead Skin Mass, Spill the Blood, Altar of Sacrifice, Angel of Death, and we open things up with the uh, family classic Necrophiliac. Well, Mark, uh, it's been nice to uh, to kind of get back in here, and it looks like we got a few other podcasts sort of lined up, but we wanted to get this one sort of loaded down first in honor of uh, our fallen comrade uh, Jeff Hanneman. And yes. Our feelings uh, and love for for you know for Jeff and Slayer and all the fans out there. As I said, his dive bombs will echo in eternity because I'm not a I'm not a Christian man, but uh, I th- you know our life energy might go elsewhere. So yeah. maybe give the the cosmos a little bit of that. Sure, sure. <laughs> vibe. I mean, I think the that you know, I think Slayer Slayer will live on with a, a pretty untarnished legacy more than I think a lot of metal bands who have sort of had a lot more up and downs. Um, yeah. You know, Slayers had records that are certainly better than others, but I don't think again you could ever say that they they sold out or that they sort of you know were were diving for mainstream success or to be rock stars or anything like no, that. No, no, because I mean, just they would have changed their name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really. Yeah, I think their back catalog is, is so notorious that I think they knew that they were by far the most dangerous and, and controversial of the big four bands, and yeah. I think they they flew that flag for metal, especially in some of the low points. You know, in the late '90s and early 2000s when American metal was was pretty oh yeah pretty low you know so you could still count on Slayer even if they were inconsistent records to, to put out records that at least had some balls and, and stuff sure. especially for the age that they were at and the fact these and the guys most were in their kind late of, 40s and still doing this yeah know? the most public uh, kind of outcrying of Satanism like what other what other bands that had that much they were that you know big in the public eye that really were talking about Satan sure I yeah. mean as that's that was kind of like that's like the backdrop of the occult is the backdrop of Slayer mm-hmm. yeah I mean you could argue Black Sabbath I mean Danzig toyed with it a bit but yeah. even then it was Danzig like was sporting upside on crosses but it wasn't as like upfront and in your face as yeah and most of Danzig's most well known songs don't really have much to do with that you know Mother is sort of like just about the you know PMRC and stuff like that you know so <laughs> yeah so yeah whereas like Slayer is defined by songs like South of Heaven and mm-hmm. Raining Blood and you know things like that, that and having Satan in the yeah, sure yeah. sure yeah it's right there so but we're gonna kind of end with a, a couple of later tunes from from Hanneman uh, one that he actually uh, first constructed in uh, 84, 85 when he was kind of throwing together some ideas for a punk side project and we thought this is sort of the pure essence in a minute of of sort of the spirit of Jeff Hanneman and, and kind yeah. of what he sort of for and his his kind of wry quiet sense of humor you know and it's d damn uh, drunk drivers against mad mothers and it's about a minute long and then we'll sort of end with uh kind of one of his last um classic kind of fitting in with the the sort of spill the blood dead skin mass he's in south kind of slower serial killery type songs and it's uh 213 which um you know is about the apartment number of jeffrey dahmer you know and stuff like that and, uh, just a nice little intro at the beginning that's kind of classic kind of clean guitar Jeff Hanneman sort of eeriness you know and uh, sort of closes the sort of golden age of Slayer here and he wrote some good songs and some of the later day stuff but uh, we figured we kind of keep it more condensed into that kind of that early era if you want Slayer phase one whatever you want to call it but uh, but cool hopefully you enjoyed this I know we've sort of been uh you know, slap happy and, and haphazard, just sort of throwing some ideas together here. But uh, it's sorry, it's, man. It's a tribute. You know, it's about it's, the conversation. What it is, yeah. So enjoy D Dam in two thirteen. Uh, I'm Jason and I'm Art.
Come on, come on. 